Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is up, everybody? This is Double G from Fight Game Media Network. This is your free episode. And what this episode is, is my interview with Lance Storm that I originally recorded for our Patreon a few weeks ago. We're going to put this as the free episode of the week. And we have had a ton of content this past week. We had the rap, Keela and Scott talking payback. The post show was on the Patreon Saturday night, right after pay- payback was done. And then the boom on Sunday night had their all out post show. We get these shows up, you know, within in within a couple hours after the show ends because our podcasters record the post show. We put it up immediately on the Patreon. So if you are interested in subscribing to the Patreon, patreon.com front slash fight game media, we're also going to have a new episode of WCW 96 this weekend. John LaRocca and I are scheduled to record that actually on Tuesday, late Tuesday, so it, should, it will be up uh, on the weekend. And also, tomorrow, well, actually, Tuesday morning, uh, in the Patreon feed will be our Getting to Know series, another episode, this time with Salty Scott Young. It's me talking to Scott about just general stuff, so, some wrestling for sure, but also kind of what he's all about there. So, uh, And so Wednesday... In the Clinch with Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick. Thursday, the Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins. And Friday, the Five Star Joshi Show with Scott Edwards. And I believe we're going to do a free episode of the Five Star Joshi Show very soon. So if you kind of want to know, you know, the Five Star Joshi Show is our anchor, is our Friday anchor. Kind of ends the week for us for the regular content. So if you want to know what it's like to listen to the Five Star Joshi Show every Friday, check out uh, or be on the lookout for a free episode coming up very soon. Also, Jeremy Finestone is putting together a super cut, sort of a best of, of our recent Patreon shows. And we'll put that up in this very feed within the next few days, maybe by the weekend. And so you can kind of listen to some of the stuff that you may be missing out if you're not listening to the Patreon. All right. Now, my interview with Lance Storm from a few weeks ago. We talk about kind of his foray into audio. And he is now a podcaster. And I was just really interested in what, what, why he decided to do this. What, what he gets out of being a podcaster. So check it out. Again, fightgamemedia.com is the website. Patreon.com front slash fightgamemedia is our Patreon. And then search for Fight Game Media on YouTube, and you can see all of our live shows, all of our content. We have 
multiple pieces of content in that feed every week. All right, my show with Lance Storm coming right now. It is the new branded show under my own name, not really my own name, but the Double G Show. You know, Lance, you are somebody who probably understands uh, branding under your your name very well. I've been trying to create this alternate brand of Fight Game Media and Fight Game Podcast, and I'm like, it's time. I need to do something under my own name. So that's what we got here. You're the very first guest of the newly branded Double G Show. So welcome, and thanks for doing this. Thanks. Sorry for setting the bar so high. It'll be all downhill from <laughs> it's here. It's all downhill. I'm going to have to uh, bring you back like once every couple uh, couple months just to just to raise the bar back up again. Uh, so the the reason why you know you and I have been chit chatting back and forth ever since I started doing shows with Dave, and I was basically there to help Brian because he had a new child and he couldn't go do as many nights as Dave had wanted. So I just kind of subbed and. You would send me some notes in in a Twitter DM just about, you know, audio quality and such. And I was like, okay, thanks. It's great feedback. And uh, since then, we've kind of just been, you know, we would talk about the shows that I would do with Dave. So first off, really appreciate your your feedback. Sometimes when I get the Lance Storm DM, I I just go, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and you know who feels the exact same way, but I think it's because he does more uh-oh things than me is Andrew Zarian. Uh, I, I, I understand he gets some of the same from you uh, as well. But no, like that's really great feedback because you are somebody and we'll get into this because I, I feel like you are uh, out of all of the wrestlers when it comes to the dark side of the ring. You're kind of like the honest one. And, and it's an interesting it's an interesting way to bring you on that show because they have the journalists or the media and then they have the wrestlers. And then they, when they bring you on, they kind of have a combination of the two, which, which makes it, I, I, th- I think it makes you a really interesting interview piece to, to that thing. But before we get there, uh, but you know, you are somebody who's done all of these really interesting things with media, with audio and I wanted to go all the way back to live audio wrestling because I talked to John Pollock and he was saying that all the way back, I don't know if it was like maybe the late nineties or, or so where mm-hmm. you had a website through them. And with this website, you were able to record audio messages that they could post out, which is essentially what a podcast is. Yeah. We did a 15 to 20 minute weekly podcast. We didn't, think it was a podcast then because the iPod hadn't been invented but it was on real player if anyone's old enough to remember that thing oh yeah and you could uh, download the real player on your computer and then you could um, not live stream it but stream it and listen to it whenever you uh, so choose chose and uh, we did that weekly for a few years starting in I think the first one was Last week in November, first week of December of like 99. Wow. Possible 98, but I'm pretty sure 99. But yeah, I <clears throat> that was all through Jeff Merrick. If you anyone remembers him from the law days, I, I was brought into Toronto to do um, Off the Record, the Michael Landsberg show that a lot of wrestlers had done. 
And I was still in ECW. And when I was brought in, Jeff Merrick was the guy that did all of Landsberg's <clears throat> um, prep work. He did all, the, you know, prepared all the questions and brought Landsberg up to speed wrestling wise. And he, Jeff met me in the green room and tried to convince me to do a website because live audio wrestling was starting their own website network. And they had uh, dynamite kid and Trish Stratus on board. And uh, he convinced me. And I think probably uh, led to me getting my first home computer possibly. That why, why were you, it was that something in your mind that you thought, okay, here's where the future is going. I need to kind of get in front of this. And I could, it could actually help me get in front of this, especially you were, you were in a, uh, a, a job in which reaching fans w- was a big part of it. Um, I certainly didn't think of it at, at the time. I remember it w- probably wasn't maybe a year before that. Uh, ECW had a show in Buffalo, and a couple of my buddies from high school came down. And I remember my buddy Phil, who was you know developing software when he was in high school because he's a genius, you know, had mentioned the oh, do you have a home computer? And I'm like. Why the hell would I have a home computer? I'm a professional wrestler. What could I possibly need one for? And then less than a year later, Jeff's convincing me to start a website and uh, develop my online presence. But uh, I never really thought about it. Just Jeff seemed like a cool guy. I'm like, sure, they were going to host it. So it wasn't going to cost me anything. And I figured I'd give it a go. Now, your character in professional wrestling has never been over the top screaming at the microphone was there like was there a reason why you thought you would be a good fit for for this because you know if you think about what when when WWE would do uh their online stuff or I remember Conan telling stories about the WCW uh I guess they would do some video shows in while Nitro was going on and people are just cutting promos on the company left and right like really trying to you know be over the top but you're not your your character was never really over the top on the microphone. Like what what did you see as the avenue to to kind of get across the message you you wanted? Well, I, I wasn't consciously thinking of getting across a message. It was just Jeff convinced me that this is what people were starting to do, and this might be something that would be good. And I'm just like, I'll give it a go. You know what I mean? It's going to take a little bit of time, but nothing more. And it became fun to talk to Jeff every week because mm-hmm. he will, you know, we'd whatever day we did it, I don't recall, but he would call me on a phone, a landline phone, and we would record the 15 minute thing. And I, again, I had no idea I would be good at it, but I started writing my weekly commentary, you know, a, a blog. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Uh, yeah. And I ended up enjoying that. And I think because I'm such an introvert, I think it ended up being a good process for me to express myself because I'm not one that does it as much uh, in a large setting with around, uh, around a lot of people. So it just ended up being uh, a nice process for me. And I enjoyed writing uh, the commentaries that I did and I enjoyed doing the, the chats with Jeff, but uh, I never really thought about it as, you know, a big promotional avenue. And even just you saying my character, it's like, I hate that. It's like, other than other than the time Vince decided to try to make me dance, it's like, I didn't have a character. I was a 
aspect and avenue of my own real personality. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that's bad. And I, I always talk about it with, 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 with wrestler, with wrestlers, as I try not to slur my words, (laughs) I'm fighting a sore throat and I'm trying not to uh, cough, but it's not developing a character. It's finding yourself who you are as a performer. And again, other than that time that, you know, Vince and WWE decided to give me a dancing gimmick and be silly because that's what Vince does with everybody when he can't figure out what to do with them. Yeah. Um, I was just an aspect of my real self. So uh, I was talking to Paul, and I've also mentioned to today, but those guys were way ahead of their time. And kind of, there's still a direct kind of connection to what we're doing here from those days. And I'm just, uh, when when I was kind of going through that, I was just amazed at how, you know, I mean, I guess it's got to start somewhere. And they were probably one of the first. I'm pretty sure they were, yeah. That you know, certainly early on, and I think the other um, bridge to modern day podcasting, um, Raven used to get. He had some fan that did it for him, but he would get the shoot interviews that guys would do, you know, on VHS tapes and stuff, mm-hmm. and he would get them transferred to either audio cassette or burned onto a DVD, oh. and he would listen to them in the car when he drove That's on the smart. road, and it's like that's sort of what you know everybody now does with podcasting it's just it's on your phone and it's easy but it was listening to a version of wrestling talk radio when you're in the car i don't know when you would have started listening to podcasts but i remember uh this is even before i went to brian's website because there was um uh one wrestling became it didn't become, but the guys from One Wrestling left to become PW Insider, and they were into the audio stuff. So this is post Iata, pre F four W for me, and the reason why I left those guys is because they were so worried about their audio getting ripped off. So they what they did is instead of making it easy for people to listen to, they made it harder. And I was like, this is not where it's taking me a half an hour to put this show on the thing that I need to jump on my commute. And then at right around that time, I saw what Brian was doing and I was like, oh, he's making it way easier. And he actually has a personality. Uh, and, and so I was I was in I think I, if Brian launched that website sometime in the spring, I think my start date was like June of that year. So I'm like one of the earliest people still around uh, on the website. But it was because. Brian just made it so easy and it was kind of daily and he was taking feedback. And I remember kind of going back and forth with him in the email because I thought it was so interesting. And so he kind of took that idea for his own and, and made it into the, the website that you do weekly shows for. I do weekly shows for as well. And it's just a fascinating thing to kind of look back and find out what is the origin of that. Uh, but speaking of that, like, where did you I don't know if I know the story where you and Brian would have connected we're not even 100% sure about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I think it was Iyada. I think I did Iyada as a guest once and I would assume Brian reached out to Jeff Merrick with, you know, we'd like to have this guy on. Can you get one of us our contact information? So I'm pretty sure I did Iyada because I remember god, I think I was still in ECW. I remember doing a show with Dave. 
I probably, you know, was dismissing Brian as Joe Lackey at the time. <laughs> <clears throat> he he kind of fit that role though. He there were some shows where you did not hear him pipe up once, but I understand it because sometimes I do these shows with Dave too, and I go, okay, where they're going, and I'm just gonna like just kind of produce and I'll kind of sit in the background. So I completely get get that. But yeah, he 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 kind of that was kind of the beginning of like what I knew about him. It was like, oh, he just comes in for 10 minutes and then sometimes he had to actually go to wrestle. So he would just pop out and then Dave would do the show by himself. Yeah. And then I don't remember after that when the connection was made. I I think probably when I left WWE, he would have reached out to see if I'd be willing to be, you know, do a regular show. But I don't think other than that one Iata show, I don't think we actually talked or communicated until I had left WWE. Um, it's possible, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure that we did. First time I ever met him was actually at his own. Uh, no, I met him the week before, a month before his wedding. I was invited to his wedding before I'd ever met him. But I ended up uh, for basically the purpose to meet him. I, I did a seminar uh, and uh, did a match under a mask against him. Oh, yeah. Uh, like Easter before his wedding. So I met him before the wedding, but um, yeah, I haven't actually seen him in person that many times. So, I mean, that impression, whatever the impression you you made on him was, like, if he's going to, you know, this, you know, if you leave WWE and he's reaching out to you to do stuff, I mean, you know, the the way that networking can work in, in today is is so interesting. You don't really even have to be in the presence of, of people to go, hey, get this idea and uh, and, and it works out. Now, what is, does Brian's, is the fact that Brian actually wrestled and got into the, the business from that perspective and then crossed over to media. Does that sit well with, with folks? Like, do they give him like, okay, he's actually done this before. So maybe he knows what he's talking about kind of thing. Well, I, I think like everything, unfortunately, if he says nice things about him, then he's someone <laughs> with experience and knowledge. And if he says something they don't like, something critical, <laughs> then he's a stupid Mark that, you know, doesn't know how to work. And it's the same with Dave. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if Dave puts someone over, he's, you know, the leading journalist covering pro wrestling. And if he criticizes them for something they don't like, then he's a, you know, an online stooge and in someone's pocket, it's, it's classic wrestling. If they say nice things about you, they're your friend. And if, they say something you don't like, then they're a dumb Mark whose opinion you shouldn't listen to. <laughs> <clears throat> but I do remember, and I'm trying to remember where, oh, I think it was um, back when I was writing the, the, the weekly commentaries, someone sent me, or I found, you know, the death Valley driver where they, they ranked workers. And I looked at this list and I'm like, oh my God, these people are just so out to lunch <laughs> because they were, they were ranking matches, and if someone had a good match that year, they ranked them higher as a worker, uh -huh. which to me is dumb. It's like if Ricky Morton is working a shitty indie guy on a dump show and has, you know, takes it easy and has a bad match, it doesn't mean he's not a good worker. And so I started foolishly voicing my opinion and getting arguments with these guys for a little while. Under Lance Storm. I would assume so. I didn't never use an alias for anything. So then I ended up writing, rating the dirt sheet writers as a spoof column. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I would use. <clears throat> I thought it was a brilliant piece. I was really happy with it. I should find it. We got to find it and and yeah, and repost, and repost it. it. <laughs> but I remember I used the because it was the the argument that they used to rank Hunter, saying that he shouldn't be this high because he benefits from the WWE machine and the push and the exposure. So I use that criticism for Dave <laughs> that he benefits from the exposure and the rep of the wrestling observer. And he's not really that good. And I somehow buried Brian for, you know, or maybe put him over, but mentioning the, the balls of a man to be a dirt sheet writer, as well as actually going out and getting bookings. <laughs> and I raided a bunch of people and it was, um, I took one legitimate pot shot at Jason Powell. Oh, Wow. Because um, at the end of my ECW run, when I was negotiating with WCW, Powell uh, put a news piece or an article or something in the torch, um, basically saying that I had a holier-than-thou attitude in the locker room and had a lot of heat and was unpopular. <clears throat> and I called him on it, and he basically admitted that he tried to verify it with talent Everybody disagreed, but Paul Heyman told him it was true <laughs> and he didn't want to basically lose his source of Paul Heyman yes. and wrote it anyway. And Paul was just trying to sabotage my ability to negotiate and right. leave. Right. And so I took a legitimate pot shot at him in the article, but I rated, I think I rated Wade Keller, although I really didn't know much about who he was. Uh, I probably put it was, over. It was a satirical piece, right? You're not very you're much not, so. Yeah, yeah. Other than the legitimate pot shot at Powell, everything was meant in jest and was reflective of how they were rating workers without any knowledge. I was rating dirt sheet writers without any knowledge. Now that aspect of how we cover pro wrestling there are very few actual working journalists who cover pro wrestling uh, because of, you know, if you're a working journalist, you're probably doing another sport or, or another angle. Um, and so what we have is an influx of content creators. And I, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I, I, like I have a journalism degree, so I probably hold some folks to a little bit of a higher regard, but I also understand that, this new wave of content creation is how a lot of people make their money. And as long as you're honest and as long as you're having fun with it and as long as you can build a community, like I'm 100% like, go for it. You don't have to be a journalist to do this. Though I do wish that some folks would hold some of the coverage a little bit higher. Like I even have friends who uh, work at The Ringer and like their podcasts are very, very popular. And so some of their opinions are going to be held to a higher esteem than others just based on popularity. I think they do a, a pretty good job, though I'm not a fan of, of everybody on that network. But what do you think about just the, like, a lot of people just doing, you know, what F4W does, but maybe without the uh, policy or without the journalism aspect of, of how we think about it. Um, and it some, sometimes it can dominate the uh, the rustling ecosphere with with some of this bad information. Yeah, I think my biggest issue are those. And again, this, you know, it's certainly not everybody, but there's a lot of people that, you know, basically just pinch news stories from other people, give it a salacious headline. So it's clickbait and it's just crap. 
And unfortunately, and I always get annoyed when people in the business from from you know my side, the wrestling side, just throw the blanket, you know, oh, you know, wrestling journalism is crappy. I don't know what our language limitations are on this show. And freely go freely. freely okay. Yeah. But you know, they'll do the wrestling journalism is shit and you know, a whole bunch of dirt cheap writers, and it's like it's probably a kid in the basement trying to get clickbait, pinching a story from Dave and changing it. It's like, it's not really wrestling media. Right. And I really wish those who complain about it would quote the source. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Who said something that you're mad at? Because don't paint everybody with the same brush. And there are definitely dirt sheets. I, again, it's a, such a dumb outdated term, but that are more or and again even just people with podcasts and stuff that are more interested in how do i develop a following what do i say to get more attention right rather than actually producing news and again it's the same problem with actual news nowadays sure but you know those who report news rather than say what they think will get more clicks and more you know, attention, I have more respect for. And that's what I really like about the Observer site is, you know, you've got Dave, who, you know, voices his opinion, but he's primarily your news source. Mm -hmm. And then if you want fun, wacky, you know, opinions, it's like you got the Brian and Vinny show. And it's like, you know, Vinny's not going to give you wrestling news, he's going to give you an entertaining opinion. And I'd like to think most people are smart enough to differentiate the two. And if you're doing both, at least make it clear what they are. Right. And, you know, Dave, for the most part, is going to give his opinion and evaluate the business, but he's going to give you news. Yeah, I, I asked Dave this before, you know, how, how would he categorize what he does? And he doesn't even call himself a pro wrestling journalist. He calls himself a business analyst. Like that is how he looks at what his job is, is to analyze business. And, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know how many other people now I respect, um, you know, what Sean Ross Sapp is doing. I think he does a really good job. Now that is he's sort of in this new media space where he wouldn't even call himself a journalist. He's creating content so that people want to read it and subscribe to it. And that's how they make their money also with the podcast too. Uh, but, you know, there's others like uh, Mike Johnson has been doing this for a long time. And I think for the most part, you know, he's got really great material, really great sources. And I think Brian, because he is so over the top sometimes on the Brian and Vinny show, I think he's got like, if he's got really good information. So I know he talks to a lot of people. I know a lot of people trust him. Uh, and, you know, there's, everybody's going to be, off or plans are going to change you know from time to time you can't control that but he's got a pretty good batting average too when it comes to to certain things so uh it, it's it's just an interesting thing the you know everything has a uh a period where it moves and it becomes different and you know we're in 2023 and you did your first podcast in 1999 i mean that that's you know that that it's come a long way from from where we started so i'm just always looking i'm always interested in where things go and sometimes you have to know where they they began and how they transitioned and all that to kind of see where things are going to continue going so that's it's it's pretty uh pretty fascinating to me uh but you also did a podcast with don Callis, 
And uh, I, I, so when I was first doing the stuff with Wrestling Observer Radio, you know, you had you were doing the editing and you were doing the production and all that stuff for your show. And so I know that that was kind of like you were pretty meticulous in how you wanted the thing to sound. Uh, I, th- I think some I think Brian told me he's like, yeah, Lance is such a meticulous editor with this show that it takes him a long time to actually get it up. And that's probably why you guys stopped doing it. Right. It was just a, a time. It was thing. too much work for the money involved. And as Don got more and more busy doing at the time, color commentary for New Japan, it became harder to do. But yeah, Brian's. um uh, audio snobbery uh, definitely <laughs> wore off on me. Yes. <laughs> but the other aspect was, and, and Don, you know, would do it as a rib, but he, I'm positive, he would perso- pur- purposely screw up and do things so I would have to edit. Oh, gosh. And, and it just became uh, problematic. And, and then because I am a stickler, and you probably notice if, you know, you listen to me on Brian's show, I have a really bad habit of saying and rather than just starting a new sentence. Yeah. And you will string six sentences together with and, 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 and. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah, we all have whatever tick. that. that and I, I think um, I actually managed to quit one. I remember when I was doing the before killing the town. It's one of those things was a, you know, lead in with every damn sentence. And I say again too much as well. Yeah, and then you have people who are editing them all together as a joke so that they remind you that you Yes, did someone this. did do that. <laughs> but I think it was Paul Lazenby that pointed out the and because Lazenby has done color commentary and so forth. So when I realized it, and I'm going to do it again, there was an episode with Conan who um, often does the shows from Iran as he would Yes, yes, yes. And after Don and I did the show with Conan, I just got a text or a call back from him. And he's like, any editing and tightening up you can do. So I sound a little more coherent and sharp, (laughs) feel free. So I did go back. And if there was moments where he's trying to remember somebody's name just because his brain locked up on him or other things, I would tighten it up so it made him sound better but also made it easier to listen to the show and that's when i realized i can also cut out a lot of my ands right and 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 things like that so i started pinching a few of those out as well and once you start it becomes an obsession yes so when we'd we'd record the whole show i'd go back and listen to it and cut out the stuff i had to because don would screw up on purpose <laughs> and we would also record segments out of order and i'd have to shuffle and add the music in and stuff for intro right. i wanted right. the show to be good yeah you you became a full-fledged podcasting producer is what you became yeah and i really liked the shows and the the and and the thing that i really liked about the show and i actually have a a edited full loop of we opened the show with the previously on. Yes, yes. And we would have, you know, a musical montage of funny clips from the show. And a lot of times they were outtakes that were never even in the show. That was Don's idea. And then I ran with it. And it would often, because I would have to listen to the whole previous show again to find the funny bits right. and cut, cut them out and save them and then shuffle them together. If you and had then, somebody producing for you, they would just take some time cues down and 
and let you know, but because you're producing it yourself as talent, you're not always thinking in that way. Yeah. And, and also too, a, from a financial standpoint to do that, we'd have to pay somebody, which would make the podcast even less profitable, but also too, it was nice because Don and I, as two friends that are close, we often jokingly say stuff we wouldn't want on the show. Right. And we don't want someone else having the unedited article to then keep the audio for themselves. So I was the editor and I had all control of all content. But those, you know, that 30 second one minute open previously on Killing the Town often would take me three or four hours of editing. Yeah, that's that is. That's but when, when we did finish, just because I was messing with the audio and it, I've probably still got it somewhere. Well, I know I have it somewhere because I saved all the audio, but I did clip together. And I, I don't remember how, how many episodes we did, but I have a edited together previously on every single show open we did. And there was some that I was really happy with. Like there was one where Don told a funny story of meeting Sean Connery. <laughs> And I basically edited the clips and the funny parts of him with the Sean Connery story. And I put the James Bond theme over it as the music in the background. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, it ended up being really quite funny. And there was a few, there was one where I mistakenly, ah, oh, he had mentioned Hugh Grant. And in my head, because I had been interacting with uh, Ed Asner, who played Lou Grant, Oh, yes. Mary Tyler Moore. I had Lou Grant in my head (laughs) and he's talking about the British accent. I'm like, Lou Grant doesn't have it. He's like, Lou Grant, why are you talking about Lou? It ended up being a funny bit. And I went (laughs) I went online and found the intro to the Lou Grant show, the spinoff from the Mary Tyler Moore show. And I edited all our clips and discussions about Lou Grant and put the Lou Grant theme behind it. There's probably like one person that ever listened to it that realized what that theme was. <laughs> um, and there was one where I picked, uh, I guess it was Curb Your Enthusiasm. Not a show I watched, but Don was a big fan. But that, that has a very memorable music bed. Yeah, and he had told a really bizarre story, a uh, very Jerry Seinfeld-esque about a girl he had dated that had weird fingers or something. <laughs> so it's like, clipped all those clips together and found the Curb Your Enthusiasm music and put it together into the show open. So it was really rewarding because I loved putting the show together and how it came out. But with my regular job and a life, it's like I can't spend 10 hours a week for the compensation we're getting. It's a giant passion project. That's what it becomes. Yeah. And, And podcast one became more and more difficult to deal with Um, from a financial standpoint so it just was we had to at some point just say no now since you have all of this uh, expertise and putting together shows when you listen to other podcasts can you hear stuff now that you would have never even thought was an edit or thought was like oh they they actually cut something out because i could just tell by the change in the pitch and the voice um not really because i don't listen to that many podcasts outside of the observer site okay and i know brian because he already doesn't have enough time in the day it's like we go live and it all airs it's like yeah. we, you know something has to really terribly go wrong before there, he's there are things in wrestling observer radio where i was like wait 
you couldn't just cut out this 10 second of silence because Dave's computer shuts down. <laughs> We're just going. <laughs> but I mean, he's doing it so late at night. He's like, I'm just going to get it up. I got to go to bed. Yeah. So, so there's, there's not a lot of editing. Um, I do. Um, I listen to Todd Martin still. He's with the torch now. Is he still doing those super long ones? Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. He does, you know, I like very. Todd. I like Todd a lot. Yeah. And I th- I think Todd, at least in my opinion, has the best, most educated opinion of any non-wrestler I've ever listened to talk about, listen, talking about the business as far as what he thinks. And again, maybe it's more just he's in line with my method of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to ruin it. So it's like I listen to that show and I do appreciate um, Wade occasionally does some fun editing when there is Todd has to get up and go do something rather than cut it out. He will put elevator music (laughs) and it's, it pops me every time. And, and Wade will also joke when something is said, it's like Mark for edit, but it's like, there's no, you know, you you just hear him say Mark for edit, but he's not editing anything out. So it's like, I think they have a really good chemistry, but I I really value um, Todd's opinion. And I think too, and it's something that he does that a lot of others don't. And I think more should because he's not a wrestler. If he criticizes or, or voices a negative opinion, he will always state that it's his opinion. Right. Or if they're talking about backstage stuff, it'll be, well, it's my understanding. This is what's done backstage. He won't state it as a fact because he doesn't actually have any firsthand knowledge of right. being backstage. And it really, to me, makes a difference when you check yourself and go, this is what I've heard. It's my understanding. I believe this to be the case rather than stating this wrestler is this way and he should structure his matches that way. It's like, excuse me. (laughs) And it, to me, it's an important qualifier. No, I think it's great to caveat things like that. It, uh, the the one thing I like that I think is really impressive about Todd is he, you know, he can, he worked with Brian for a long time doing those shows. And then to just transition to somebody else, like it shows a lot of flexibility as well in what not only him, but also the hosts, like the hosts are essentially working around Todd's personality as well. So, uh, no, I, I like Todd a lot. I know that there was, you know, maybe not the best way that the relationship ended on uh, F4W, but uh, every time I see him, I give him a hug and because I, I really enjoy him. I've, I've actually had some really fun dinners with both him and Dave together just randomly we were in the same area and and so I, yeah I like Todd a lot you yeah, know the I've, only- met, I've met him twice in person I met him at Brian's wedding the first giant time. human being very large man <laughs> and then gosh was it W I don't remember what the heck I was doing whether I was producing with W but there was somewhere where I was at a wrestling appearance of some kind, maybe one of my uh, Ring of Honor matches, I don't even remember. But I, it was in wherever he was living at the time, and we hooked up for dinner afterwards. <clears throat> I have edited... I've edited small things out of Wrestling Observer Radio, but the two big ones that I can remember, uh, we had Bugsy McGraw on, who had uh, a, a biography written about him. He and Ian Douglas uh, put their book out. 
And so this is the seventies and he's talking about San Francisco and he's talking about Pat Patterson and he's trying to oh, geez. give us uh, the lay of the land from that time frame at a bar when someone was harassing Pat or something. And he used a word that, uh, you know, I had to edit out. So that was the, the main one, but there was another one. This one's actually pretty funny. Uh, may, maybe more to me than to Dave, but Dave was really tired. And he was talking about um, one of the women MMA fighters. And it's kind of like what he said, he almost like took a nap in mid-sentence and then woke <laughs> up and then said something that like, didn't make any sense whatsoever. But it was like it was like maybe a two-second pause, and then he just randomly started talking about something different. And I was like, okay, I gotta edit that out because it sounded really bad. Uh, if the people don't know exactly what happened. So that's another time that I had to edit. They'll but. think he had a mini stroke rather than falling asleep. But, th but you know, thankfully, because of the schedule that he and I have created, I don't really have to do the late, late ones with him. Uh, like, you know, like him and Brian still do those. I can't, I, I just, man, doing those late shows and trying to be coherent and trying to make sense of stuff. It's still really, really hard for me. So, but they, that's their routine, man. I, I give them credit for being able to do it for so many years. <laughs> well, it, it's Dave's routine. I don't think Brian cares for it much. Well, I mean, he but, would but, prefer to be earlier. Oh, I, I would imagine so, but Brian still has the energy. So he's figured out a way. Now he may try and wrap things up a little bit much more quickly than Dave wants to be wrapped up, but he still has that energy going late. So I commend him for that. Um, all right. Uh, dark side. I mentioned dark side earlier, and I, I loved the uh, the addition of Lance Storm to these shows because, like I said, you not only give the wrestling side, but you know you are also known as doing content and commentary, and you are also known as someone who is very honest. So when you put those two things together, you have the positives of bringing a journalist person or a, or a fact person and you also have the wrestling side so like you're like the perfect person to give some information on some of these stories how have you liked doing these interviews for dark side right yeah i really enjoyed doing the dark side shows i think i made the connection through jericho because he narrates them but i just I, i've really enjoyed the guys that i've done the interviews with and i i, I feel like they do a, a pretty good job and I'd like to be a part of them because I think <clears throat> with many wrestlers, they're always spinning their agenda. Yeah. And with many of the ones I've done, it's like, I don't have an agenda here. And the fact that I'm not someone who partied, got messed up, lived the uh, Marty Jannetty lifestyle, if you will. <laughs> I think my memory and my perspective is a little bit more balanced and sane. Sure. So, and then also too, it's nice as hard as it was emotionally to do the Chris Candido one, it was like nice to sit down and remember him and yeah. tell that story. So it, it's been rewarding in some cases. And I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older now or what, but it's like, I do find that maybe it's the setting, but emotionally I get a lot more emotional. Like I did not expect to break down emotionally with the bruiser bedlam episode, the Johnny canine one. Right. But I did. And obviously with the Chris Candido one, I broke down pretty bad. We had to pause for a while. Um, so it, but it, so it's good because I like remembering the the history and the stories and trying to give a as honest as possible narration and telling of the story. 
You mentioned the emotionality thing, and I agree with you. As I get older, it's very easy for me to tear up. And I think yeah, I, I would love to hear the psych- psychological analysis on this, but I somewhat think it's because we're just so much more comfortable in our skin than we may have been at a younger age. And like certain things, like, and we have more memories. And so if you see something, you can actually go, oh, I, that's happened to me too. And so, you know, just the longer life plus, you know, we're not really as worried about who's looking at us or who's watching us, even though you're doing it on TV, that shows how comfortable you were in that moment. But yeah, that's, I would love to read something on, on why maybe we're a little bit more emotional as we get older. Yeah. Cause I remember um, the nine 11 episode of SmackDown. I got choked up and didn't really expect to, but I think a lot of that was setting because we're in a really dark room and you were kind of by yourself and it just felt, ominous to an extent that but whole even- thing was heavy i was actually in that building because i was on a business trip uh and we we got in the uh, uh, sunday night i believe uh and then 9 11 happened but we couldn't get out so we stayed all the way i think it was it a thursday that smack yeah, we did smackdown live on thursday rather than I, tape it on tuesday yeah i was in yeah i was in the building on on that night uh just it, it felt the whole thing was ominous. It felt weird being there. I was almost feeling guilty. Like, why am I even here? Like that whole time frame, man. No, it's cool that you were there live with me. Yeah. Where were you staying? Uh, we were remember? in we were in Houston. Uh, my company had purchased at the time the company that we were working for. We had purchased a company, and so we were kind of getting all of our ducks in a row with our processes. And you know, Houston and the Bay Area can't be two different towns as far as culture and like just the way that they were talking. Like it was just, it was insane. It was almost like I was in a completely different world. And then for that to happen and then to be stuck in, in that place for, you know, long now I'm sure they're Houston can be nicer than, than the place that I was maybe at, but yeah, it was like that, like that week I was just away. My kids were, uh, my kids were one and a half and and like six months old or something like that. So th- that was a hard time to be away for sure. Yeah. And I was stuck in a foreign country. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was heavy. But even my I did. Uh, I got inducted into my hometown's Sports Hall of Fame uh, a couple months ago and. I got choked up in the speech. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? here? <laughs> Getting old, although yeah. I. Again, there's also, I think, uh, being more emotional is also connected to CTE and, con- and concussions. So that's always ominous hanging. Oh, that's over. in the back of your mind when you're thinking about it. Same, same thing with if you, you know, if you just happen to forget something, right? You go to the garage to get something. You're like, why did I come in here? Which everyone does. Right. But with uh, everything you hear about concussions and stuff, you start questioning yourself. Although I've certainly, I've never been diagnosed with one. I assume I've had a few, but not, nowhere near as bad as others. Right, right. Uh, so the, we see wrestlers today wrestling uh, longer into their prime or extending their prime. And you mentioned Chris Jericho and he's kind of the one who's, leading the whole thing he is still one of the top stars on a national broadcast today now you're always somebody who and you're still in really good shape i see your your hikes and and i know you're still lifting weights 
do, do you ever like think about like, man, you know, in this seventh match of Jericho something or other, rather than the pizza cutter guy, maybe that could have been me or has that completely behind you? It's behind me. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing, and, and my wife is the one that kind of drove it home and I, I, I can't argue with her. I think there's, I think her thought process and I, I, I agree with her is you got out and you're healthy and hearing all the stories of guys you think got out and are healthy and they're having, you know, three neck surgeries and four elbow surgeries and, you know, back surgeries and all these things they're having to fix at the end of their career. And it's like, I'm in pretty good shape. What's the point of risking that bad bump and then having the serious neck issues? What's, you know, there's, it's not, especially because it's not there for me ego wise. It's like, I don't need another pop. I don't need to go out and hear a, you still have a chant. Could be a nice little payday there for you though. It could be, but (laughs) this is maybe, again, maybe I'm being more modest than I should be, or maybe I'm just realistic. It's like, I'm not the level of star that garners the kind of payday that it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not getting a Saudi Arabia payoff. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not getting, you know, 50 grand to come in for a match. So it's like, it's like, what's, you know, a couple grand to do a match. It's like, what, it's not really worth the risk. And then two, um, and a few of, you know, my friends who, who still wrestle have joked. It's like, well, yeah, but you have standards, that like if i can't go out there and put on my tights and look like i'm in good shape right and while i'm in healthy good shape and could physically do it it's like i'm not in the cosmetic shape or even the cardio shape that i would want to be in and the amount of work and time it would take for me to get in that shape again even a 10 grand payday is probably not worth the three to four months of hard diet, hard training, hard conditioning, I'd have to do for one match. If I was, you know, like Edge who came back for a run, yeah, it's like, okay, he's going to do another two years. You know, the six months of hard work to get into shape for it is worth it because what he's going to make in two years. And Edge also garners a bigger paycheck than I would. <laughs> but to just do it for one match, it's like, like I could go out and do a perfectly fine house show match that people would probably be happy with, but my standards are higher. Yeah. I didn't mean to uh, take a shot at Nick Gage there. That was just the labor of Jericho that came to my mind. I've actually met Nick Gage before. He's, he was a very very nice guy and not what you see when you see him on, on television. Well, and I, you know, from a storyline standpoint, it's like, I could have replaced Hoovy. You know what I mean? It's in, in any spot. There certainly could have been, um, a connection but. and the reason why i thought about it is because we just saw jerry lynn on television we just saw rob van dam do the match with you know uh, jack perry so naturally i think a lot of people would go oh i wonder if lance is going to do something here i think that's probably where you know you are one of a few people who probably are, are being thought about by fans about where this story could be going yeah like i'm i'm still and it's probably the only match I would ever consider again. And I would actually have to <laughs> convince my wife to be okay with it is if Jericho ever decides to retire in timely enough fashion that it's possible for me to do. Yeah. Um, we have sort of, you know, 
back in the day made the pact and the intention that when we're both completely done, let's do one more together because our first match in the business was against each other. Let's have our last one as well. And we will both bookend our careers with the same match. And I think that would be really cool. So do you think you'd be able to ever call a match a retirement match? I'm assuming there will be, you know, there will come a point where he's not enjoying it anymore or has just decided it's okay. It's time because I think too, Jericho has standards and there will come a time where he can't be on this level and he'll probably decide that, okay, I need to stop now rather than being the, you know, like back, you know, when AWA was shutting down, there was guys that were clearly shouldn't be, you know, he doesn't want to have the bushwhackers, Sheik and Volkov match. Right, right. So at some point, maybe when he's 75, he'll get to that point. I don't know. But there will be a time that he calls it quits. And if it's not five years, 10 years <laughs> from now, then I would make the effort to get in, you know, the shape needed to do one last one with him. But uh, other than that, it's like I don't really have the interest to be honest uh i don't want to keep you much longer i i I told you we would try and stay in the 45 minute ish range we're a little bit over but uh i know you are somebody who is a voracious reader um is there what is there anything non-wrestling whether it's movie tv show book podcast that you are listening to or or watching that you would recommend to folks um the one podcast other than wrestling podcast that i listen to and i've actually uh, came on board and I, I do voice a character there's a scripted uh podcast escaping denver which you can find everywhere podcasts are and it's a really good series there's two se- uh, two seasons of it out already you can stream and binge if you want season three is coming out either sometime soon or this fall um, and it's a really entertaining mystery s- drama series that's um, a podcast. I'm, I, I highly recommend that. Um, I pretty much just read fiction. Um, so I read a, a lot of things that way. And recently, mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting in that Lawrence Block, who's one of my favorite uh, authors, he writes several series. He's just pro- prolific as hell. And his one main series, which has had several films, uh, Walk Among the Tombstones with Liam Neeson most recently. It's a Matthew Scudder series. It's an ex-cop who does detective-type stuff. And I think there's maybe 19 books in the series. He just released the Matthew Scudder autobiography. And it's the autobiography of the fictional character. Oh, wow. And it's really well done. And I, I actually put on Twitter and promoted it and sort of said, it's like, I never read biographies or autobiographies because I I never trust the source like wrestling biographies. It's like, as soon as I start one, as soon as I think someone's exaggerating or trying to work me, I just like, no, it's like, I'm not reading it. So it's like, I avoid autobiographies because I don't trust the source, but that's why I read fiction because you can't be lied to in fiction because it's all made up. The the Vince uh, biography that recently came out, that that was a little rough because I couldn't tell if the writer really understood wrestling enough to know which of the pieces of information that they were referencing was actually good information or not. Yeah. So the fact that I'm reading an autobiography 
from and about a fictional character, it's like, I can't yeah. be lied to because yeah, whatever, they, exactly. whatever they say is the background of this fictional character. And, and it was really an amazing biography, autobiography. And to that end, because I've been reading these books for years, and Lawrence Block is one of the best authors I've ever read for dialogue and characters. Like, he's really phenomenal. And you feel like the characters in the books are your friends. And as he's wrapping up his autobiography as an old man, reflecting on his past friendships and stuff, it's like I found myself getting emotional because when I read, and I think that's why I read fiction as, a, as an introvert too, it helps. It's like they're your friends on the road. And when I read a new book in a series, it feels like I'm visiting an old friend. Yeah, that's and cool. Because uh, Lawrence Block um, is so great with characters and dialogue. It's like they feel like real people. And it was just a tremendous book. And now I'm going back and rereading the entire Scudder series uh, because it just sort of uh, reminded me of that series. So those are the two things that I'm I'm into most currently. Yeah, and you also recommended a, a sort of a life hack to me the last time that we did a podcast, which is, you know, if you are someone who goes to the gym a lot, maybe your your car sometime can have a little bit of a, a stench. And your solution was to use coffee beans as a mechanism for an air freshener of sorts. So that that is out there in the ether as well as a recommendation by Lampstorm. Mm -hmm. If you get like a flavored coffee bean you like, it's a... Much nicer to open your car door and smell <laughs> coffee than it is your dog or your uh, gym bag. All right, Lance, thanks a lot for doing this. We had talked about this a couple times before. I'm so happy we were able to do it. Uh, you christened the the new show. So uh, like like he said, everyone else has got to step their game up to, to reach Lance's level. Uh, so thanks to Lance. Uh, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Adios. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.